Hi, Alex. How are you? Hello. Hello. Hi, everybody. Hey. Hi, everybody. This is Alexander and Emma here for the podcast. And our uh, topic for today is the future of remote employment. I would be asking a few questions from Alexander and uh, gain a few insights about his work, his experience. And uh, let's start. Thank you for being with us here, Alexander. And thank you for your patience. Um, share yeah, it's a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you. So share a bit about yourself and your experience in your field of work. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my name is Alexander Bloom, and I'm the managing partner of a emerging technology fund called Two Prime, uh, in partnership with Dr. Mark Fleury, formerly the founder of JBoss, uh, sold to Red Hat for $420 million uh, in 2006. Um, I've been working in the kind of technology and finance space since graduating from Tufts University in 2010. I uh, went on to study at MIT after a few years in the Peace Corps. Uh, initially started a company setting up remote telecommunications networks in uh, Latin America after my experience in the Peace Corps. Uh, and then started consulting for venture capital funds, the World Economic Forum, Gates Foundation, and others, uh, specifically focused on the blockchain space. Uh, I've been running a company that's been creating regulated financial products called atomic capital in the blockchain space uh, and then have just recently launched two prime uh, in, in conjunction with Dr. Fleury. Uh, so very interested in ways that technology can solve problems for humanity and um, make life better and more opportunity and access for everybody. Oh, wow. So you've been busy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've done a few things. Uh, what is two prime? How did you come about the whole concept of setting it up? Yeah. So, uh, Two Prime is a uh, finance technology company that's really focused on bridging both traditional financial markets with uh, the cryptocurrency markets and taking kind of the best features of both and creating a new class of uh, financial product that uh, we call accretive, accretive digital assets, um, but things that have real cash flows behind them, but also some of the capital formation dynamics of uh, blockchain-based uh, digital assets. Um, it really arose through uh, Dr. Fleury, who was a previous investor in my previous company. Uh, and you know, some of his, uh, he has a PhD in some of his economic theory, joined with my experience in regulated financial markets, uh, thought we could kind of bridge that gap and save an industry that frankly has a lot of um, barriers and challenges, especially at present with lack of liquidity, lack of uh, distribution of products. Um, so just trying to kind of bridge those gaps and prof professionalize that space with better products. Right, so what are, what are your clients getting out of it? Your customers, who, who are your customers? Yeah, so I think uh, participants are people that are interested in getting exposure uh, right now to blockchain-based equities, debts, and cryptocurrencies in a way that has uh, more manageable volatility and, and comparable beta to just buying directly like a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin or something like that. Uh, and so it's really people looking for exposure and better, better uh, financial products. Right. About remote employment, now steering our conversation towards that, uh, what are your insights about it? Have you ever worked remotely? Have you ever employed anybody remotely? What has been your experience? How would you want it to be better? Yeah, so uh, I've had experiences both with traditional kind of office-based work and uh, working remotely. Our, our two prime um, 
we have employees uh, in different parts of the world, someone in uh, Europe and Asia right now, as well as uh, myself and Mark in different parts of the United States at present. Um, I think that, uh, you know, there's something to be said for human interaction and, and being face to face, but at the same time, uh, there's an ability to coordinate and orchestrate kind of business on a much more dynamic and uh, rapid basis when people can work remotely. So I know we use a number of tools uh, that allow us to communicate asynchronous, asynchronously um, online through basically Slack. Um, we use, you know, remote co video conferencing tools pretty much every single day. Um, and I think the key for us has been that though there can be that kind of ongoing sort of continual communication without being in person and in an office every day, which I think also, you know, gives people freedom and flexibility to live whatever lifestyle that they want. At the same time, having some kind of structure or ability to check in at least on a, on a habitual basis, maybe like a weekly check-in is what we do, uh, to kind of center and ground people as they're working uh, remotely has been, I think, what works best for us bringing in that human factor and element to the whole remote employment sphere. Yeah. I mean, I think ultimately people work for each other and work hard because they care about each other and not because there's some brilliant idea or some kind of, you know, great mathematical formula, but you know, we're human beings and we're driven by human emotion and, and human connection at the end of the day. What is the future of the financial base for two prime? And uh, is there another revolution coming up in your in your opinion, because obviously the finance market has been disrupted so many times and we see it in the past couple of decades even, and exponentially so. Um, what was the beginning of the question? The, the revolution of the financial pace, is that what you said? The future of financial base, especially where uh, Prime is concerned. And sure. do you think any other revolution is going to become uh, coming up or any more disruptions as we we've constantly been seeing so many disruptions over the past couple of decades and obviously it's more exponential now than ever before yeah and so i think that um there's definitely a major uh financial technology revolution taking place where a lot of the services that you needed massive infrastructure and big banks and a lot of money to execute upon are becoming much more retail and um easily kind of lower barriers to entry. And so you have companies that allow you to, you know, set up basically banking services really easily via software companies like Revolut uh, doing that really quickly with, you know, an app and, and a backend architecture that allows you to bank on your phone and allows companies to set up those kind of services relatively easily. Um, so we've seen, you know, things like peer-to-peer -peer money transfers, WePay, Alipay, uh, PayPal, things like that, that uh, are really starting to threaten and displace the, the core functions of big banks, which are being degraded in their trust uh, over the last, I would say, decade or more, uh, and, and just becoming less useful and actually becoming sort of impediments to, you know, cross-border cross, cross -border money transfers, remittances, things like that. Um, at the same time, I think there are major, you know, the regulatory structure of the United States and other governments is very keen to protect people, and at this also... Um, was you know lobbied and structured by the people that are in power today and so i think the biggest barriers are you know navigating that regulatory landscape which is slower to move than the pace of technology um and so there are ways to work around it uh that you know if you have nothing to lose you could you know transfer money via bitcoin and not pay taxes and all sorts of crazy stuff but uh for professionals really trying to build real businesses i think navigating that regulatory landscape is really the greatest gating factor to uh creating creating new businesses, but there's undeniably technology that uh, is displacing a lot of the traditional banking functions that uh, exist uh, over the past 20 to 30 years. Yeah, that's true, which is what my next question was going to be anyway. 
um, whether future promote employment or future finance, where do you think technology is taking the world? It more yeah. or less corresponds to what you've already shared, but you know, something further on. So I think like the biggest challenge and hurdle for technology is that, you know, like I was saying, everything comes down, I think ultimately to human connections. I think the irony of somewhat to uh, using blockchain is that, especially in the early days of it, there's really human relationships that allow people to take risks and work together in an emerging and fast changing field. Uh, so as a result, like I think as technology works to help people bridge that gap remotely, like how can I actually feel like I'm in the room with somebody, even if I'm not, or how can I actually hold that kind of trust for people all around the world is I think sort of that humanizing of software, especially as it comes to our working interactions is a major challenge. So like, you know, I can own, you know, supposedly like Bitcoin is this trustless money, but you know, it gets robbed and there's scams all, all the time because um, it's, it's a quick moving field and it's easy to get people confused and, and talk them into things that aren't really in their best interest. And so it's really how do we bring that human element into technology such that um, it's uh, actually better or, or equivalent to, to being, you know, directly in human relationship in person. Right. So then what about security? Now that you're talking about being robbed and everything, what about the security element of, of such actions taking place? Yes, I think that um, the, you know, there's different kind of approaches to security where, you know, with traditional banks, they have, you know, layers and layers of different approaches for authentication of users, online logins, all sorts of things to provide security into a centralized field that they can manage and control, but is also vulnerable because it's singularly uh, positioned or located. Um, at the same time, you know, things like blockchain have distributed uh, databases that are more secure in their ability to not be tampered with, but at the same time are, have fewer kind of layers of protection between the user and the assets held within them. And so, you know, I think at the end of the day, like we're becoming more and more vulnerable to social engineering where people are get SIM hacked because people can call up to the phone company and uh, pretend to impersonate somebody or the email, all these emerging technologies create a kind of confusion and unfamiliarity that actually heightens security concerns and mm -hmm. increases the number of attack vectors available for hackers to take advantage of people. And I think, I think it's kind of like a cat and mouse game. Like, you know, regardless of how many new technologies and security layers are, there are, there's going to be new ways to circumvent them or take advantage of them. Um, and so, you know, I think that uh, people are realizing the importance of privacy and encryption increasingly as more of our lives become digitized. But at the same time, uh, more problems are being presented all the time as well. So you need more honed um, ethical hackers on board then in that sense. Yeah, I, I, think, I think some of it's then I think some of it's just, you know, people that didn't grow up with the internet that are, all this stuff seems unfamiliar and foreign. It's almost like a different language. Uh, you know, there's a giant education curve and just sort of comfort in, in navigating the digital landscape that's becoming increasingly necessary, but also mm -hmm. increasingly uh, challenging. And so I think, you know, as people are born that are digitally, digital natives, uh, it's less of an issue and they kind of, you get a kind of greater sense of how to navigate things. But I think it's really hard to change the psychology uh, of people that, you know, grew up in a different time. But don't you think um, the technology natives, as you put it, have to relearn things in future because again technology is exponentially changing and growing and every every yeah. day is a new day yeah so i think 
Uh, undoubtedly, there'll be things in the future that I'm certainly not familiar with and nobody is or can predict today. Mm-hmm. I guess it's a question of like, you know, there are sort of incremental changes that arise and then there are sort of epoch or era defining kind of technologies. And so I think the shift into a digital world is almost like having to move from, you know, English to speaking Russian or some other language, whereas, you know, languages themselves evolve, but it's more incremental and easier to follow. And so, you know, I, I never doubt the ability of technology to change things, but it seems like, you know, we're deeply in this kind of uh, digital world right now. And I think, um, you know, that's a big, really defining gap between people who grew up with that kind of internet-based technology and, and those that did not. And I'm not sure what the next one of those defining gaps will be, but uh, right now I think we're in the midst of just uh, orienting ourselves within the digital, digital era. Interesting. Um, where do you, in that line, where do you think do Prime and Gaper, places like such startups, where do they fit in into the current world as well as the future? Yeah, so I think that like, you know, people tend to learn about new technology and think it's going to be a panacea that addresses every kind of issue and every kind of problem and, and solves all these things that no one's ever solved before. And what ends up happening is there's still humans involved with everything we do at the end of the day. And that inherently brings kind of chaos and unexpected challenges. I think the goal two prime, you know, is how do we bridge those worlds and make something that's accessible to both the old and the new in a way that is comprehensible and uh, useful to both parties rather than just trying to create a solution seeking a problem. Uh, and likely Gaper also, you know, bridging that gap of kind of human remote working and, you know, needing to get things done on a day-to-day basis. Uh, people that can navigate that and do it successfully and be that bridge are going to uh, be successful players, I think, moving forward. Right. Thank you so much, um, Alexander. I really enjoyed this podcast and um, all the best with Two Prime and hopefully we'll be able to come together again for a different topic or for any other related purpose. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It was really a pleasure to speak with you. Likewise.